0: The buttons you don't find those in nature and you yeah. don't find you don't find the portobello. I mean somewhere they've gotta grow, but yeah. most of those are, are grown that mm-hmm. that you get in the, the supermarket. And that's actually for people who are a little afraid of of uh, wild mushrooms, that's probably the safest place to go foraging.
1: Isn't
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it? In- <laughs> <home>, so- mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Your Wild Place, a podcast from the friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. I'm your host, Jack Peterson. Don Childress is our guest this month, and the topic is mushrooms. We're talking about foraging, which is a popular hobby around here. I've never been out hunting for mushrooms, but after talking with Don, I'm determined to give it a try. If you've been curious about it, this is a good introduction. Here's Don Childress.
0: Thanks, Jack. First, uh, my disclaimer. I'm not a mycologist, but I am a mushroom enthusiast. And I actually used to scrape off the mushrooms off of salads. I didn't even like them. And then I I moved to North Idaho, lived out in the woods, and had a couple of German shepherds that I needed to walk every day. So, as I was walking them, I'd always run across these mushrooms, and I didn't know anything about mushrooms, but always wondered about them. So, I started learning a bit about them, and I uh, now my attitude is that foraging is kind of a walk in the woods with a purpose, and it's like a, I liken it to an adult Easter egg hunt. It's just a lot of fun to find those things, and... I've also learned to like eating them. So I, I, I'm learning new recipes all the time.
2: So what is a mushroom exactly?
0: Uh, the mushroom is the fruiting body of a microscopic fungi that produces and distributes spores. And it's much like a, an apple's relationship to its tree. The spores disseminate in the wind. A small percentage land in a favorable environment. They form a thread-like filament called hyphae which then forms a network called mycelium. And mycelium are literally almost everywhere. Uh, certainly in the forest, they are everywhere. And the fungi can be divided into three categories. There's parasitic, which feed on living organisms. An example, that's a lobster mushroom. And it's kind of an interesting story about them. is They actually cannibalize another mushroom in our area, mostly a uh, Ruslo brevipus is the one that they Cannibalize and they turn it into a non from a non edible, into an absolutely delightful, large, lobster colored mushroom It's easy to see and, and it fruits in the, the late summer and early fall. Then there's also saprophytic, which subsists on dead or decaying matter, and there's a lot of examples of that the oyster mushroom, bear's head mushroom. And then there's mycorrhizal which forms a symbiotic relationship with roots of plants, mostly trees, and many are species-specific. So out in the woods, it does help to to learn the trees, to know what what you're looking at. And there's there's yeah. over 10,000 known species of, of mushrooms.
2: What does a person need to get started in foraging? Is there any kind of special equipment?
0: The equipment is very simple. Uh, obviously, comfortable layered clothing, comfortable shoes, because you do do some walking on some, on some uh, steep hills, rough terrain at times. Uh, I like bright clothing. It helps you keep track of your partner and it's always good to, to forage with a partner. Just, you don't know if you're gonna get lost, you don't know if you're gonna fall down and twist an ankle. Uh, and the other thing that a bright clothing does is in the fall, it shows hunters that you're not, you're not fair game. Yes. You need a sharp <laughs> knife to cut the stem And there's also a couple of controversies there, pulling versus cutting. I don't like, neither one of them ruin the the chances of having another mushroom grow back there. But if you pull Mm -hmm. a mushroom, you also pull up dirt and duff, put that Mm -hmm. in your basket, and all of a sudden your mushrooms are full of of crud that you've got to clean out later. Mm -hmm. So I take a sharp knife, and and most people now are doing this, and, and just cut the stem and leave the leave the root in the root, so called root in the ground.
2: Huh. Is there an uh, argument for not doing that? For I mean is there a reason you would take the take the root?
0: There is a yeah, the only the only reason is if you, you can't really identify what the mushroom is, sometimes the ball, the little root ball will give mm. you some indication of what it might be. Okay. So mm. if you know what it is, then no there's no argument in my mind. Yeah. You also want to have a soft brush available. And as a mushroom pushes up through the duff, it can get a, a ton of crud on it. You want to brush that off. It's a lot easier to do it out in the woods before you put it in your basket than wait till you get home and have five pounds of, of mushrooms that you've got to clean all at once and then take care of. You uh, a water bottle, a compass is good. I find that most, most of the mushrooms are on a north or east-facing slope. I think the south and west facing slopes are hotter yeah. and, and just don't have the same mycelia that the that the cooler slopes do. You want a basket or a container with a soft mesh bottom which allows debris and spores to escape as you walk along. And that's kind of controversial too. Do the spores really going to, are you going to really spread spores? And Some books say, yeah, you really are, and others say, no, the wind's going to take care of Disseminating yeah. any any spores.
2: Well, is there a like a special mushroom hunter's basket, uh, adver- marketed as such, or what do you, what do you use uh, for your basket?
0: Uh, I I have a one that I actually made, and it's a it's it's a soft sided basket with with a mesh bottom, and I like to have the mesh bottom. Uh, I used to use a basket. I found it just cumbersome carrying. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I can. I can throw it over my shoulder or I can... It's just easier for me in, mm-hmm. in the woods. But either one of those work. It Typically, traditionally, I think it's been a, a hardwood basket that, that the mm-hmm. shimmers have used. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want a camera. You want a field guide. Uh, just to, if you find one that you don't know and you want to look it up, that's a good time to do it. Uh, I use the National Audubon Society, is, and then David Aurora also has a field guide. So both of those are small enough to fit into a pack and, mm-hmm. and go with you. If you're looking for just one species and you're really into getting that, you mm-hmm. focused on that, then you might not want to have one. But, but I, I like to learn. I like to, mm-hmm. every time I go out, I want to learn one or two new species of mushrooms. And that way, I'm not kind of I'm not overwhelmed when I'm trying to learn 5,000 of them. Uh, you, you want paper bags. If you get too many in your basket, you want to dump them in something. You don't want to put them in plastic because plastic is gonna well, they'll just deteriorate in no yeah. time in plastic. But a paper bag, they breathe and and they'll stay okay. And I like a walking stick too. I can poke at things and going up a steep hill, it helps my old bones get up there. <laughs>
2: If you're new or inexperienced to foraging, how do you learn to identify which mushrooms to harvest?
0: Probably the best way is to go with someone who knows what they're doing. Yes. And be, be tutored. That's, that's the number one way. That's sometimes hard to do. Uh, some mushroomers are, are pretty uh, secretive about where they go. It's like people with their, their huckleberry patches. Mm-hmm show you their huckleberries, but they won't tell you where they got them. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) uh, another way, probably really a good way, is to join a mushroom society. And in our area, it's the North Idaho Mycological Association. It's Tim Gerlitz uh, runs it, and he's a very, very capable man. And they, uh, they meet on, and I haven't looked this up in a while, but they meet on three months in the spring and three months in the fall and I believe it's the first Wednesday of the month that they meet in Court Lane. Mm-hmm. and they also have a a foray or two to go on and that's that's a really good way he's he's very knowledgeable I mean one of the places to get good information is to go to a forest service station mm-hmm. and a lot of times they've got maps of the burns in their area mm-hmm. showing you the roads in there and and they're also really helpful with, with information. Yeah, uh, Field guides have lots of information and good pictures and a positive information, positive uh, identification through pictures is very difficult. It's just, you know, you can, you, there's so many that look alike. They're yeah, very, very difficult on, on a picture. Uh, but there is the Bible for Mushroom ID is the book I mentioned before by David Aurora called Mushrooms Demystified. Mm-hmm. It's about three inches thick and takes a college degree to understand <laughs> what it is you're reading, but, <laughs> but, but the information is there. Yeah. Uh, so I, And I use that all the time. When I bring back some mushrooms, I don't know what they are. That's the first place I go to to, to see if I can identify, because he, he keys them out. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn the parts of mushrooms and in a few terms what a uh, what a ring is and the difference between gills and and pores and uh, but those aren't those aren't hard to learn I mean that's that's doable.
2: So if you have one that you're not quite sure where it is, uh, what it is, how long does it take you to like find it in the book to figure it out once you're once you're back home. Um,
0: okay, you're assuming that I did figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> so, some some yeah. are some are beyond me. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll spend I'll spend 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, looking looking for one. But you know, if you see a mushroom, see several of them of the same kind in the mm-hmm. forest, and you know you're going to go back, you know, it's kind of it's nice to know what they are. Yes. To know, and most of them I've got an idea. If they might be edible, you know, just because I've been around long enough. But Mm -hmm. at first, it it takes a while to to do that. For example, morels are easy to tell, Mm -hmm. and so go out and learn what the morels look like. And there are some morel lookalikes, you know. If you see one that's a little different, cut it and come back and and try and figure out what it is that you've got. Yeah, and it's and it's a it's a process that you that takes a while to do, and you can only do. I can only do one or two mushrooms at a time mm-hmm. in identifying. Otherwise, I just get lost and yeah. spend too much time doing it. There's, uh, like I said, there's about ten thousand different species in yeah. the world, and uh, and what I do is I focus on a few that are easy to recognize and safe to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to be sure that you know what it is you're eating, uh, and the most the most easily identifiable in our area, and probably some of the best eating are the non-gilled mushrooms. Basically, there's both the spring and fall season. The The hot summer in August, not very much. Late August, then the the uh, mush- the lobsters start blooming a little bit. Uh, but the most popular one, uh, the most popular mushrooms in the spring are the morels, and they are in May, June, like mm-hmm. right now. We need a few more 60-degree days to... To really get them uh, fruiting, and July, you know, they go up through July in the high huh. country. Uh, they're easy to identify. They grow in basic as opposed to acidic soil. Found in mixed conifer forests almost everywhere, and most and can be eaten by most people. I only actually know one person that has had any problem with uh, some gastric upset with the morel. And one place that's really consistent for morales is a forest that burned the previous year, and that's just due to the basic composition of the ash. Huh. They just, the, the fruiting bodies can, can just bloom almost everywhere. Easy to pick, easy to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to wear your good clothes there, mm-hmm. because you're getting yeah, dirty you get. as the dickens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in our area, there were lots of forest fires last year. So,
1: there, yeah, there were.
0: So there's going to be a plethora of morels uh, this year. And and then the other, some, some Belites, which the Italians call Porcini. It's also fruit in the spring ah. and the fall. And they have a spongy pore surface rather than gills. And most of the species are edible. So they're easy to identify. Most species are edible. The most popular is the King Belite, of course. And... As a group, they're easily identified and harvested without knowing the individual species. A lot, of, a lot of mushrooms, you need to know exactly what species it is. These, there's actually only one or two species, and most of them are back east. The ones with the red gills are, are uh, not edible, but the rest of them are. Huh. And late summer and fall produces the largest variety, however, of mushrooms in our area. The most sought after are the chanterelles. Uh, they're found again in mixed conifer forest after the fall rains. And uh, the one thing I've noticed about them is I've never found them on anything other than about an 80 degree slope. It's really in, in tall tall mountains <laughs> that, I've, that I've found them. And uh-huh. one interesting thing about them is they have a very distinctive odor of apricots. They're they're very easy to identify without that odor, but with that odor, there's there's just dead certain what they are. So most uh, like I said, this most species of belize are available and edible. Then the bear's head and lion's m- m- mane are Herixium, and they're found on dead stumps and logs and when they're sauteed they have a flavor and texture of crab meat, I mean they're really good. There's not a ton of them in our area but, but I find them every year I, and I do find some and you can harvest five pounds of those off of one tree and it's pretty, pretty amazing. Coral mushrooms are prevalent in the fall and are edible but cause gastric upset for some people so well, most mushrooms, you only want to eat initially a small amount uh, and check your individual reaction to it. I just one little story is I took a lady mushroom in the fall. We were going or in the spring. Sorry, we went up uh, too far to travel and come back in one day, so we took camping stuff and camped, and we found a few morels, but actually found more corals. So, I was making a salmon dinner, really trying to impress her, making a salmon dinner, martini, a little wine with dinner and uh, and the morels went down fine. We both ate a few of the of the corals, and about an hour later, she just got violently ill Oof. just miserably sick and and didn't even throw up for a couple of hours. I mean, it was really in bad shape and you know, it's like, oh, should she go to the hospital? And uh-huh. and I knew I knew what it was, and tried calming her down. And it was a miserable night for both of us. Ugh. So, yeah. that, but also, uh, alcohol exacerbates some mushrooms, and coral is known for that. Huh. So, if you're going to eat coral, don't uh, don't have as much to drink as I provided. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good way to have a date go. No so uh, giant uh, giant puff balls are found also in the late summer and fall and they can be the size of a soccer ball yeah and when they're sliced and and sauteed they are really good you want to be sure that the ones you get are pure white inside if they've started to color a little bit inside they're over the hill and and they are more to- They are toxic. I didn't know you so could eat them at all, actually. Oh, they're, they're great eating. Huh. Yeah, which cool. I don't find very many of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there's a lot of small puff balls, which mm-hmm. also are good eating. Mm-hmm. But the giant ones, I've had people give me some, but I've uh, actually only found one in my foraging career so far. Uh, and then the lobster mushroom. And, and they really are really are uh, pretty prevalent, much more so than, than you're gonna realize. They're good table fare, and uh, they have to be harvested in really prime shape, or they start to smell like fish or presumably. Lobster. Uh, the couple that are easy are, the, are oysters, and the, the spring oysters are very white in color. The fall oysters are much more gray but you won't get in trouble with oysters. Matsutake mushrooms which are very sought after by commercial pickers and bring up to like $25 a piece for prime specimens. Uh, They're highly prized by the Asian community and they're found in our area in mixed pine and fir forests. One of their recognizable traits, they're a a large mushroom, is they smell like cinnamon or like Red Hots. often described. Huh. It's been a long time since I had red hots but the cinnamon I do recognize and mm-hmm. I really do and that's 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 for sure that that's what you've got if it smells like cinnamon huh Honey mushrooms are associated with the base of trees and in the fall are very plentiful and quite delicious if they're cooked well. Uh, there can be some they can be toxic to some people and in fact, it's the only mushroom that I've ever personally experienced a miserable night of throwing up in the bathroom after eating honey mushrooms. But they reputedly need to be cooked very well. And I've, you know, so I don't know if, did I not cook them well? Did I have too much to drink with it? Did I, you know, so mm-hmm. this, the scientists in me should say, well, I'll go back and eat them again. <laughs> Uh-huh. And see if it happens, but uh, I've not tried them yet.
2: I was gonna say I was gonna ask no. what, like after that, what was your feeling towards foraging in general? Did you you woke I, up? Oh, just, I knew.
0: I know. There's some. There's just some that there's an idiosyncratic yeah reaction to it, and so I knew what I can do, and yeah, this is one that, as far as I know, I can't do. But, but, it, like did, I but I say, it didn't. it didn't make
2: you uh, didn't didn't turn you off. Did not turn it off, but,
0: but this yeah. was early in my foraging career, and mm-hmm. I went out with a guy from Missoula on a foraging who's a, a really an expert in our area also, and so I know that that the mushroom wasn't misidentified because mm-hmm. he identified it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you know maybe I didn't cook it thoroughly, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, I haven't been willing to try it. And last year yeah. there were a ton of them. I mean, just a, I could have I could have filled buckets of them last year, but mm-hmm. chose not to. Uh, horse, two other. Two others are the meadow mushrooms, a horse mushroom and meadow mushroom, and they're large and meaty, and they're found in lawns and, and meadows in the late summer and fall. Uh, as they mature, they'll have brown gills and a brown spore print. And I just want to mention that a spore print, uh, what you do is you take that mushroom and take off the, the stem, and lay it down on a white piece of paper, leave it for a few hours, pick it up, and there'll be a spore print there. Huh. It'll show you the color of them, and, and if you've got a microscope, you can see the, the uh, size and, uh, and the shape of them also, which is sometimes important. So, these, uh, and I, and I do that, you know, if yeah. I've got one that I don't know, I'd make a spore print of it. I don't wow. find it overly helpful because there's a lot of white spore prints. You know, mm. A lot of a lot of them have white. A lot of them have brown. But but if I think it ought to be white and it turns out brown, you know, then I know that it's not what I thought it was. There, yeah. Uh, one thing, one caveat: when they're found in lawns, they're easy to see, easy to pick. But because of the chemicals and fertilizers, mushrooms really pick those things up. Uh-huh. So if it's in a lawn, I don't eat it. And yeah. Even mostly alongside of a road, I don't eat it, just for this for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, and the meadow mushrooms belong to the genus the Agaricus, which is the same as the button and the portab the portobello's that we find in stores. Yeah.
2: So, um, so you come home with a, a bunch of mushrooms. What? What next? And I mean, you can't eat. All the mushrooms you can't you get, eat I don't them all at one time. No, <laughs> exactly. Having said yeah.
0: that, a fresh mesh mushroom is really the the best flavor. Yeah, but you can't eat them all at one time. Yeah. So what uh, do you do? And well, when I'm when I'm a cooking, I'm mm-hmm. a pretty basic cook, and I saute most of mine in butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to use garlic, which a lot of the books say you should do. I find the garlic overwhelms the mushroom, and so I don't do that mm-hmm. anymore. But most of them can be dried, can be dried, and you can dry them in a. Uh, I like to use a screen outdoors if it's a nice day, and it takes me about two days to totally dry them. And they should be so dry that they just they're brittle that they just crack in two when you when you
2: try to bend them. But not a, that's no machine or anything. I, or, I, I have, just I put have, them on
0: a... I have. I went to the thrift store and bought some screens. And uh-huh. I just put them on a screen so they're getting air underneath and yeah and air on top
2: and they will ju- and that's all it takes for them to yeah, dry to, out to to... totally
0: dry wow totally dry okay. or or you can use it in a, a dehydrator yeah you know, there's all kinds of dehydrators to do uh, when they're properly dried they, you can put them in a in a uh, quart jar and screw it down tight mm-hmm. and they'll last for 25 years or more wow i've had i've had some that i've had probably 10 years that I don't eat very much, but once in a while I'll pull them out and they're just as good as they were when I put them in. Wild. Uh, Uh, But there are some, like chanterelles, which don't dry and reconstitute well. uh When you do that, they're real real tough. So the way to handle those is to slice them and saute them about halfway Mm -hmm. and then let them cool. Put them in plastic bags and freeze them, huh. and then bring them out, thaw them, and finish sauteing them. And they do well that way. Huh. And there's actually quite a lot of mushrooms to to do that. And and uh, I put them in plastic bags as much as either I can eat, or if if there's two of us, then I'll have some that have double that yeah. amount. So anyway, just pull them out and. Finish sauteing them, and which basically means just to warm them. Yeah, and they're they're very tasty.
2: Huh. um, and then you can do that with a lot of different mushrooms. There's a lot a of you can do the, yeah.
0: that with. Yeah, uh, the the morels are the are the ones that we dry in the air. Mm-hmm. Totally, lobsters I dry in the air. Uh, I dry oysters in the air, mm-hmm. uh, but the others. then I'll I'll partially cook. Cool. Uh, there are some rules to eat, to follow while, you, while you're eating wild mushrooms. Yeah. and So I'm gonna read these off. One kay. is to triple check the identity. Yeah, You want to be absolutely certain <laughs> what you're eating. You want to make sure the, ins- the mushrooms are fresh and not full of insects, because both of those mm-hmm. will, t- will taint, taint a mushroom. Uh, you want to keep them refrigerated until eaten, because they deco- decompose really readily. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to save one mushroom just in case you have a reaction. If you have to go to the hospital, oh. it's good It's good for them to know exactly what it is. Sure. You know, okay. This is an mm-hmm. unlikely event that, but yep. still. Uh, you want to cook all wild mushrooms very thoroughly. And uh, initially, eat just a few. To, to see if you okay. have AGI yeah, yeah, upset. Yeah. Okay, so you see know, if, if after mm-hmm. a couple hours you haven't had it, then you're you're going to be okay with it. Yeah. But don't don't pig out on them and then get really sick. Because, yeah. Because that really happens. And the other thing is, drink alcohol moderately when you're eating mushrooms, because uh-huh. uh-huh. actually quite a lot of them do have do have a reaction, or, or the reaction is heightened by alcohol.
2: Would you say most mushrooms that you're going to see out there are poisonous? Most are edible or what? Um... Actually,
0: there's very few truly poisonous mushrooms. Oh, really?
2: Yeah,
1: there huh.
0: are a few. I mean, when you run across the names like Destroying Angel and Death Cap, <laughs> you shouldn't be too surprised about that. Yeah. Uh, and those are from Amanitas, which we have around here a lot. Huh. Uh, so okay. that's... Uh, but but most of them the most of mushroom poisoning that you hear is just an intestinal gastric upset that'll last for a day or two Mm -hmm. it's just uh but some people also can have an allergic reaction like you can to peanuts or Mm -hmm. shellfish you know it's the same same type of thing yeah Uh, the amanita is you only say a little bit about that because everybody around here sees the amanita it's a large mushroom it's kind of an orange or salmon colored on the top with Mm -hmm. white dots on it Mm. and it's really pretty i mean anytime i have people bring me one probably five times a year Uh to say is this edible Uh and unfortunately it's not edible there is one or two uh in that genera that are edible but I don't know which ones they are, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, all of them are toxic. Yeah, like most of them are, and there's also some false morels. Uh, there's some v- called verpa, and half-free morels that look exactly like a morel, shaped a little bit different, but the the wrinkly cap is the same, and and some people some people eat them. I, I have eaten them in the past, but a lot of the books say with time they become toxic. That okay. They, that they have a uh, that there's a toxin that builds up, in you. So I I leave those alone. And the other is there's a brain. It's, it, they're they're called brain mushrooms. They're Gyromitra, and they come up prior to the morels in the spring. So when you're out looking for morels, you actually do see a lot of these, and I've talked to a lot of people said oh i've eaten those for years and they're kind of fumbling and moving around mm-hmm. uh, that actually does have a toxin in it that builds up in your body really so yeah. they're 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 meaty they're tasty but i don't eat them anymore uh another that's is psilocybin mushrooms they're hallucinogenic i've heard of those yeah yes uh-huh you probably have experienced those. <laughs> they, uh, they're yeah. hallucinogenic they grow in our area and they look like a myriad of other small gilled mushrooms and I haven't identified any oh. yet. I mean there's I may have but they look like they look like a whole bunch of other small gilled mushrooms and I don't I haven't taken the time to figure out how to how to learn learn what they are cuz I'm I have enough ha- bad habits. Yeah, And there's a a a whole host of mushrooms that are called LBMs and they're little brown mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And they're just ones that you look at them and there's just there's no meat to them. There's nothing there. So yeah. it's like why why bother?
2: So unless you were intentionally uh correct. right unless looking you for you knew
0: what they were and uh-huh. and had a you know had a uh party coming up you would probably just leave them alone
2: so as far as your desirable edible mushrooms where do you go to find them what kind of spot should our amateur mushroom hunter be looking for
0: most uh, most of foraging in our area takes place in a mixed conifer forest which we have a lot of around here so if you have yeah. a, if you find a uh, an all pine forest for example, uh, I I wouldn't bother going there. I mean, there's just not. That's that's pines are not uh, typically where you're gonna you're gonna find them. There's huh. there's some in in other areas, but around here I haven't found any. I don't find many under pine trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in both uh, burn and natural forests, like I said, mentioned I've got better luck searching the north and the eastern facing slopes but you know it's funny you find mushrooms wherever they grow I mean the mycelium are pretty much everywhere and they fruit when the when the moisture and the temperature conditions dictate Mm -hmm. so it's surprising where where you find where you'll find these I I had uh, uh, in front of my yard one time one I drove by all the time I looked down one day and there were about 12 uh, morel mushrooms, just right at the edge of. It was not in a in a lawn, but it was in the edge of the yard. Yeah. And so I went out to pick them, and they were all they were all really mature. They if there were something in the woods, I wouldn't pick. And so I decided to leave them, thinking that, okay, I'm going to have a lot of mushrooms there next year. And I lived in that place for another five years, and there never uh-huh. never grew there. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they they literally are. Or where you where you find them. Yeah, you know a question is often asked. It will be, is touching a non-edible mushroom going to hurt me? Yes. And the answer is no, unless you ingest it. Oh, that's uh, nice. In fact, a popular way to test a mushroom is to take a small bite and test it, taste it. You know, see if see if it's bitter. Um, you you always want to spit it out. You know, uh-huh. if you don't know what it is. You don't want to swallow it. But the taste as well as the smell can help you with identification I went out uh, last week what day was it maybe it was on Monday of this week or Sunday last Sunday up to the burn at Trestle Creek Mm -hmm. thinking that you know maybe I'll sneak in on some early ones Uh, there the mushrooms will start fruiting from a lower elevation and as it warms up they'll climb the mountain and go up sure so this is about 3,400 feet and I talked to some people who found a few mushrooms at 2,800 feet. So I thought, well, that's close enough. Mm-hmm. But went up there and, and didn't find a one. I mean, there's still snow on the ground. The, the Oh, and this is something I forgot to say about most mushrooms, is they fruit somewhere between 45 and 55 degrees soil temperature, down about five or six inches. And it was the soil temperature up there last week was forty degrees, huh? So we've got another, you know, we've got to have some warmer days to warm that soil up before they start to fruit.
2: So we know, or we're learning, what a mushroom is, and we know where to find them, kind of. Uh, but let's talk about the big picture about how mushrooms work with the other flora and fauna in our environment where do they fit into the whole picture of the the woods in the wilderness
0: The the mushroom role in the environment basically is to break things down along with mm-hmm. bacteria so they're they're pretty much the nature's recyclers and many mushrooms are mycorrhizal uh, with certain tree species giving the trees some of the needed micronutrients that they need in exchange for the sugars that they get out of the roots of, of the tree. So that's one place where knowing knowing which trees they are and what mushroom you're looking for is, is fairly important. And since mushrooms are the fruit of the fungus, picking them is like picking apples on a tree. So picking does no harm as long as you don't disturb, disturb the environment, as long as you haven't disturbed the, the soil around them. Uh, the mushrooms you pick will have shed most of its spores already, and the the parent mycelium is perennial, and will refruit when the temperature and the humidity are right. It's just that simple. Huh. So it's not like it's not like uh, you know if you if you go out and pick all of them, you're you're afraid that oh they're not going to grow back there anymore. That's just not the case. Right. There, there is a you know there's a a moral part of that is. You're sharing the harvest with other foragers, and with deer, bear, and mostly squirrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to be respectable and and enjoy your time in the woods.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, without totally clearing out the uh, the harvest area, but that's good to know. That I mean, mm-hmm. it's I don't think I fully understood that the first time you said it was that um, it's yeah, it's not like you've just uprooted a tree or a plant Correct. and taken the whole thing Correct. even though you looks like you've, you've taken you've, the whole mushroom you picked the yeah. apple off the tree yeah
0: as long as you haven't harmed the tree it's gonna you're gonna be fine there's that's there cool. are commercial mushroom pickers mm-hmm. that go through and they pick absolutely everything and you know as far as anybody can tell it, that's not harmed uh, hmm. it's not harmed the environment as far as mushrooms coming in later on
2: yeah um is it? I mean, I don't think in even in our local grocery stores. I don't think you usually see a wide variety of mushrooms. You pretty much just see the uh, the button mushrooms, the and the yeah, portobello. Uh, the portobello, yeah. Which you, are you, you see can some, farm? You
0: see some shiitakes, and oh yeah, and shiitakes are are you don't find those in nature either. That they're huh. they're uh, farmed, yeah. Uh, but then you're going to be you know in the next month you're going to be starting to see some morels you're going to see some lobster not probably not lobster mushrooms but you will you'll definitely start seeing morels in the grocery store yeah Yeah. and i i've actually tried growing shiitake Mm -hmm. before and there's two ways to do it one is to get a hardwood drill a hole in it and then put in the the spores yeah and it can be a plug or sometimes it's 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 just a white jellyish looking material hmm. and then keep it off the ground so that it doesn't rot and and moisten it periodically mm-hmm. and the other is to inoculate a bed of hardwood chips and i've done both of those and i'm here to report that neither one of them worked so I, so I've gotta I gotta uh-huh. work on my technique on that because uh, I think it would be kind of fun to be able to harvest your own shiitakes.
2: Who do you see out there uh, foraging for mushrooms? What what kind of person takes up this hobby? And any uh, any surprising groups of people? Who... Oh,
0: you know I see a lot of families out there. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a great it's a great thing to do with your kids. You know because Kids like getting out and running around in the forest, and mm-hmm. and like I say, it's like finding Easter eggs. Yeah, and and it's very enjoyable. So I do see a lot of a lot of kids out there, uh, and it's not a for most. If you're if you're doing a burn, it's it's not a lonely existence. There's there'll be other people hmm. other people out there looking also. Yeah, and so, you know you just kind of divide up the mountain mentally and Mm -hmm. and take off (laughs) um
2: did we uh did you have any other good um or exciting experiences while you were while you've been out for one of the things that
0: you find that's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting and this is just the walk in the walk in the forest is uh some of the things that you pick up and find i mean you see you know woodpeckers holes around you you see I found sheds, uh, found some unmentionables <laughs> before <laughs> along the side of the roadway up in the forest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, it's like going into the forest. There's just a lot to see, in a, and a lot of it is very interesting.
2: That's a good place to end our conversation about mushroom foraging. Thank you for listening to Your Wild Place podcast presented by the friends of scotchman peaks wilderness for more information about the friends visit our website scotchmanpeaks.org this episode featured mushroom enthusiast don childress and was edited by me jack peterson theme music by ben olson and katie archer subscribe to your wild place wherever you listen to podcasts better yet give your wild place a like and review We'll go out this month with a quote Don brought up at the very beginning of our conversation. Join us next month for more Voices from the Wilderness.
0: Let me just say what David Aurora, who wrote Mushrooms Demystified, says of foraging, is mushroom hunting is not simply a matter of traipsing through the woods after it rains. It's an art, a skill, a meditation, and a process. Don't just collect, but observe the mushroom and its surroundings. So that's the philosophical side of it.